This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome to series two of The North in Numbers, a podcast that gets the human stories behind the stats. I'll be your host, Annie Goak. As a data journalist, I write local news stories based on statistics for regional papers up and down the country. Each fortnight, I'll be looking at the figures that particularly affect the North, and speaking to experts and those most affected to get their take on the issues facing our communities. To keep things COVID safe, all interviews have been conducted online via video call. In today's episode, we'll be taking a look at the huge rise in pet ownership seen during the pandemic, and in particular, the soaring number of dogs being bought and adopted across the North. With the help of animal charities and new pet owners, we'll be exploring the ups and downs of puppy love in lockdown, as well as offering tips and advice from experts to help with training and pet care during these strange times. The North was already a region of animal lovers, even before COVID-19 hit. According to figures from the Pet Food Manufacturers Association, prior to the pandemic, an estimated 16% of households in the North owned a cat, and 27% owned a dog. In fact, we were much more likely to own a dog than those living elsewhere in England, with only 18% of the households in the South owning a pooch. Since the start of the pandemic, the latest survey from the PFMA suggests that 3.2 million households across the UK have acquired a new pet. During that time, visits to the RSPCA's Find a Pet page have more than doubled, with the interest in dogs rising faster than any other animal. Dr Sam Gaines is Head of Companion Animals at the RSPCA. So the RSPCA, right at the beginning of last year's first lockdown, did start to see a huge increase in interest in people basically thinking about getting a dog or a puppy. So just as an example, we had a huge um, upsurge in the number of people that were visiting our website. So not just for adoption, but also for fostering. And we think that this was very much driven by people spending more time at home and wanting to have that companionship of um, a dog basically in their family. But we also then heard this same upsurge being echoed by breeders as well. So they were getting huge demands for interest. And we were similarly seeing just by putting in Google searches, for example, lots and lots of hits for people trying to find a puppy or trying to get a dog. Amanda Sands is the manager of the Leeds branch of Dogs Trust. The charity has also seen a huge increase in demand over lockdown. We have seen a big increase in the number of people wanting to adopt dogs. Um, uh, the demand far outstrips the amount of dogs available at the minute. There's, there's multiple reasons, but one of the main ones is people are at home a lot more now and maybe in a position to have a dog where previously they haven't been. Um, and, you know, people are, one of the things they can do is go out walking and I suppose they see people out with a dog uh, and it all looks great. And it is great. It is lovely. Um, and, you know, people have been waiting a long time sometimes for dogs. I do think a lot of people's lifestyles have changed forever. Um, they will be working from home permanently now, or they may have to go into an office once, twice a week. And they could often arrange that around their partners and opposite times and things. So all these people that have wanted dogs for many years are now in a position to have them. There are lots of reasons why the increase has been a good thing, not least because of the emotional support dogs can offer their owners. Dogs are great company. Um, they're, they're fabulous, aren't they? They'll sit... Uh, keep you company, especially if you're by yourself, maybe. Um, there are a reason to go out. 
sometimes people feel a little bit awkward walking by themselves but if you've got a dog they feel more comfortable um, and walking uh, socially distanced obviously is one of the few things that people can do at the minute. Karen Groves and her husband Martin adopted their German Shepherd puppy Loki from Dogs Trust Rehoming Centre in Darlington at the start of this year during the third national lockdown. I do think dogs can help a lot with um, with um, anxiety and depression. Um, it keeps the person going, it gives them routine, it gives them a reason to get up. Um, you've got another being there to love and they give you love back. So they do give you a lot. It's given us a new lease of life basically, having the puppy. Um, it took us out of our old routine. Um, so we're doing lots of walking and uh, we've had a lot of laughter. Of course, dogs aren't the only animals that have been bringing people joy during lockdown, as Sam at the RSPCA explains. It's not just being dogs. We've seen an incre- increase of interest around cats, around small furries, so like rabbits, guinea pigs. Um, I think it's just generally been a time where people have thought, because they're at home and perhaps families with school children at home, this is a really good time to bring in a pet into the family. Sven Kirby in Leeds also became a new pet owner during the pandemic and has since been making headlines with his unusual choice of animal. I've always wanted geese. Um, I like to do things a bit differently. So um, when I finally uh, moved into my own place, I had my own choice to do what I wanted instead of being stuck at my mum's. But right, going to get an unusual pet. I'm going to get a goose. Yeah, it just uh, coincidentally happened to be during the time of the pandemic. But looking back at it now, that's probably a good thing because I've been able to spend a lot more time with them when they were growing up because they've got such a strong bonding instinct with you. They'll imprint on whoever spends the most time with them. I was able to spend weeks and weeks with them before I went back to work, whereas if I'd have got them at any other time, I'd have had to take maybe two weeks off work and that'd be it. So, yeah, it worked out much better. Um, Even though it was a coincidence, it, it really helped me spend a lot of time with them and now they practically see me as daddy goose. As well as giving people the opportunity to spend more time at home with their new pets, getting an animal during lockdown has also helped to bring light into what has otherwise been a dark period for many. It's um, given me the ability to focus on something instead of going to work, coming home, being stuck at home and just repeating that cycle. It's like when I open the door to them when I arrive home, they, they just honk like, oh, hi, daddy. We haven't seen you all day. How are you doing? We missed you. Yeah, so it's nice to come home to somebody who's welcoming you home as well. However, while Sven put a lot of time and effort into researching geese before he went ahead and bought his two birds, called Beep Beep and Norbert, unfortunately, that hasn't always been the case with people getting a pet in lockdown. This can be a particular problem when it comes to puppies. There has been what we'd probably call like a marber impulsive nature towards getting an animal so you know it may well be in some situations that if there isn't a dog that someone likes the look of on a rehoming site they may well then decide to go somewhere else and then find a puppy that you know that they wouldn't necessarily have come across so to a certain extent we do worry a little bit whether you know there is some impulsive behavior that's happened during the lockdown so people have ended up getting a dog that they might not ordinarily get and you know, not just through either a rescue or a breeder, but possibly through unscrupulous sources, unfortunately, which we have seen really take off during the pandemic. We spoke to Jennifer Billett, a professional dog trainer who also has some concerns over where people might be sourcing their new puppies. The concerns that I have is 
just how much uh, the demand has shot through the roof. So we have massively increased price of the puppy. Um, you have a lot of backyard breeding. Um, you have a lot of quick breeding. So like breeding the females after every season. And the problem that you find with that is a lot of people just take into account, oh, once I get the puppy, then their life starts. But if their mother had a very anxious birth, which a lot of, or even just anxious pregnancy, which happens um, if they're uh, in the puppy farm or um, haven't had got the best home life or whatever it might be, that breeds into the puppies that she's carrying and then they're born into a not great atmosphere um, and then these anxious puppies or unhealthy puppies as well are given to the public and so it continues. So that's that's my biggest concern is the puppies that are coming out of this, I think. This worry is also shared by Amanda at Dogs Trust. There's a couple of concerns. People are wanting dogs and a lot of people don't want to wait. Often to get the dog or the right dog, you may need to wait quite a while and people aren't used to waiting. Um, and wherever there's a demand, there is going to be somebody who will take advantage of that and um, will get the source of whatever it may be, dogs or whatever, just for profit. And there is that side of it. A lot of people have been what they might call dogfished, where they may see a dog online, show you something, but the actual dog that you get may be completely different. Um, so people do have to be careful. And of course, it's the perfect opportunity for people who are illegally importing dogs as well to, to, to start making a profit from those. The RSPCA are particularly worried about the rise in the number of dogs being imported into the UK, illegally or otherwise. What we did see last year as a result of the pandemic was actually a much bigger increase in puppies coming in from abroad. So what we think here is that because people might not necessarily have been able to get a puppy that they wanted from a breeder, there have been people that have been able to take advantage of this and have been able to bring in puppies from outside of the UK and actually then bring them into sale. So they may well be bringing them in legally, but we also... Well, I mean, we, we think that the likelihood of people bringing them in illegally as well will be really high, just given, you know, the demand that's been there for them. And this is a, a huge concern of ours. So what we don't know um, is basically the breeding or rearing conditions that these puppies have come from. Um, but what we what we are aware of is that, you know, they are typically bred in large volumes. They are then transported over long distances. They'll be mixing of litters and the puppies won't necessarily have had any preventative health care before they actually come on those journeys. So you've got pups basically being exposed to disease risk and being transported at a period of time in their life where the last thing they need is exposure to stressful situations as that can have a real detrimental impact on their adult behaviour and make them potentially more fearful. To tackle the problem, the RSPCA are currently campaigning to have the UK government raise the minimum age of imported dogs from 15 to 24 weeks. This would make enforcement easier as the dogs would then have their adult teeth, allowing them to be properly aged. Keeping puppies with breeders for longer should also reduce sales as dogs begin to lose their cute factor as they get older. However, it's not just dogs being brought here from abroad that are a concern. As already mentioned, high demand can also lead to more people buying from puppy farms here in the UK. This is where puppies are bred for sale, typically on an intensive basis and often in conditions regarded as inhumane. Some of these dogs that um, have come from puppy farms, um, they have a lot of health issues. They're often not vaccinated or not vaccinated properly and they'd often develop behaviour issues because they haven't been socialised at a very important time of their lives. 
So yes, they can then go on to develop problems as well. So people really need to be careful because um, it'd be heartbreaking if you take a puppy into your family and they all start getting attached to the puppy. Sadly, the puppy may die if it's got some sort of disease or then develops behaviour issues that means that you can't manage it in the home. The issues associated with buying from an unscrupulous breeder can also put these dogs at greater risk of being given up by their new owners. This is the problem that if you're getting a puppy from um, an illegal or irresponsible breeder or seller, then absolutely, you know, the chances of that dog actually then developing a lifelong behaviour problem is much greater. And that does come down to the fact that they will have been bred in conditions that are inadequate and they are also very unlikely to have been exposed to all the different sights, sounds and smells, people, other animals, the environments that they need to see at a very young age to make sure that they grow up to be really confident, happy puppies. So yes, you're right, if there's a lack of good socialisation as a puppy and also through lockdown it's been very difficult to get puppies out and about as we would do ordinarily it does start to lend itself towards possibly seeing more problematic behaviour as the pups enter that older adolescent age um, and people will just find it difficult we and we know that um, outside of any coronavirus pandemic we always see people that for various reasons will struggle to cope with dogs behaviours and in some cases this will be normal behaviour that they just find undesirable and in other cases it can be you know just behaviours that have a huge huge impact on the family um, and so sadly behaviour problems in dogs are a major risk factor for them being relinquished to rescue at any period in, you know in the dog's life but obviously it's probably going to be compounded by the pandemic as well unfortunately. Well there is no definitive data available yet there are already reports that animal shelters are starting to see older puppies with behavioural issues being handed in, and pet sales websites are filling up with listings for puppies being resold. A recent survey of people who had bought or adopted a dog during the pandemic, from pet wellness experts Itch, suggested that 40% have had regrets about their lockdown puppy, and 32% are considering putting their dog up for adoption post-pandemic. I asked Amanda if Dogs Trust has seen an increase in the number of dogs being handed in. We've seen a very slight increase. We haven't yet. We're expecting to when life goes a little bit back more to normal because I think people thought lockdown was going to end or furlough was going to end, but it didn't. It's been extended, so I think we've, that is yet to come. We have seen a few. A few weeks after I spoke to Amanda, new figures from Dogs Trust revealed that between August and January, visits to their Giving Up Your Dog page had increased by 41% compared to the previous six months. Sam from the RSPCA says there is plenty of evidence to suggest that many of the dogs that are currently being handed in were bought as puppies during the first lockdown. What it does seem like is that actually some of the puppies that are now being relinquished to animal centres or, or potentially being sold on are at the age of what we would class as their adolescent period. So it's a bit like what we go through as teenagers. And in dogs, this typically starts around six to 12 months of age and finishes around 18 to 24 months of age. So that would tally with the age of pups coming in at the beginning of lockdown last year and now reaching this adolescence. And what we know is that for these pups, going through adolescence is really challenging. So they have lots of hormones surging around their body, their brains undergo rapid development, and it's just a lot more difficult for them. So they get a lot more frustrated more easily. And for owners, it's a really, really challenging time as well. So, you know, what we would normally be saying to people is just, you know, this is normal it's a phase and it will pass but it may well be that at the moment some people for various reasons just can't cope and that's the reason why they're actually relinquishing their dogs. 
I asked Jennifer, what can people do to tackle behaviour problems before they resort to giving up their dog? Definitely seek professional help. Trying to fix it yourself um, can be a real challenge. Um, I know that me and all my colleagues are doing uh, online video calls and that's going really well. I would also recommend people to really read up on like canine body language. A lot of the times owners can kind of perpetuate problems because they're not understanding early warning signals. Um, even just sort of a dog looking away from you, that's a sign they're uncomfortable, but sometimes people don't know, necessarily notice that. And a dog realizes that that first warning sign um, is being ignored so they increase it to a growl and then to a snap and then so I think people just taking some time to really understand that they're living with a dog and not you know we sometimes talk about them like our fur babies which a lot of it does sort of correlate but they are dogs <laughs> so I think just if people could just really read up and understand what their dog is telling them in every moment um, I think that that's really really helps uh, before and during behavioural issues. Whether they're due to unscrupulous breeding methods or simply a case of teenage puppy tantrums, it's very likely that any behaviour problems have been exacerbated by lockdown. The study from Itch also found that 37% of people asked think their pet is likely to have behaviour issues as a result of the conditions of the pandemic, with the main concerns separation related problems and a lack of socialisation. In some ways, and for some people, it has never been a better time for them to get a pet. You know, they've spent so much time at home that, you know, dogs especially absolutely need and value human companionship. So actually having your family around you can, for a lot of dogs, be an absolutely great thing. However, for some dogs, that's a little bit more difficult for them. And especially if you've got lots of children, um, you know, that wouldn't ordinarily be at home during the day that were impacting on their routine. So yeah, we have to think very carefully about the impacts that we might be having on our pet's well-being. But I think the other issue that we have as well that lots of animal welfare organisations are concerned about is what's going to happen after the pandemic ends and we come back to some sort of normality because actually the puppies that were born in lockdown um, and then brought into family homes last year have yet to really experience what it's like to be in their home without their family around them and we know from research that around 85 percent of dogs do struggle to be by themselves when they're left alone in their family home so we are worried about that because we have potentially this generation of dogs that really don't know how to cope by themselves so what we've been asking people to do is to take advantage of the time that they've actually got now um, and with most of us or many of us still working from home actually making sure that our puppies and our more juvenile dogs absolutely know that it is okay to be left by yourself and that people do come back. It's not something to be distressed about. So yeah, already now incorporating that into your normal daily routine is an absolutely great idea and will basically be giving your pup a really good start for when you do go back to work. I asked Jennifer if she's worried about separation anxiety when it comes to her own Labrador puppy, Griffin, who she welcomed to her family back in November. I've, I mean, I would freely admit, admit this to have fallen into that trap with my puppy because you're around all the time. And then I realized that he hasn't been out of my sight all day. And, you know, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I need to fix this. But yeah, if they're not used to having any time by themselves or if they haven't learned to just be behind a closed door, yeah, when we go back to work, we're going to have a lot of anxious dogs on our hands for sure. It's going to be a big change. I doubt it's going to be a slow or one day a week you go back to work, it, it's you either go back or you don't, right? So it's going to be a really, really hard and a real challenge. So people need to work on that now, for sure. 
So what are some of the things that dog owners can do to minimize separation anxiety? A lot of it is, I think you just work really, really small, really short, positive steps. So for a lot of dogs, just you walking towards a doorway can be a trigger to panic. If they're panicked before you've even left their sight, then you're not going to make any progress being out of sight. So to begin with, I spend a lot of time, um, whether they're crate trained or not, you know, that doesn't matter. Um, my puppy's currently in a crate and he's got a toy to play with that's been filled with peanut butter and some yogurt. And that's what he's doing. And I would give him that. And then I sort of walk to the doorway, come back walk to the doorway come back walk out of the doorway come back but just keep things very unemotional I don't like acknowledge him he's busy licking so he's doing something positive and fun and from the corner of his eye he's seeing that I'm sort of coming in and out but it's not a big deal to him I want him to see me walk towards the doorway and shrug his shoulders and be like oh I've got something to do she'll be back you know that's sort of step one and if you can do that as many times in the day as possible then you can really quickly build up to okay here is your thing to do in your area I'm going out the door um I'll be back in 10 seconds 20 seconds you know and you just build it like that and that's really easy to fit into your day all meal times or playtime, you know, things like that. As already mentioned, it's not just separation anxiety that has been causing problems. A lack of socialisation has also been an issue. The study from Itch suggests that a whopping 42% of dogs bought or adopted during the pandemic haven't met other dogs, 49% haven't met children, and 51% haven't met other humans outside of their household. It's something that came up when I asked Karen and Martin if there had been any downsides to adopting Loki during lockdown. There's a con, there's a few cons. Um, is that the fact that I can't get into training lessons and I can't get into socialisation puppy classes that dogs trust offers as well, um, which we have took part in, in, in the past, haven't we? And we're very eager to do that. And I know dogs are eager to get that going again. But obviously at the moment, with being in COVID, we can't do that. But um, obviously there's a lot of things you can't do with them. Like they can't have the interaction with other dogs like they would like. And you don't have the family come in and... So it can have a big impact on them as well, can't it? Definitely, yeah. But why is a lack of socialisation such a bad thing for puppies? just make them very fearful and very underconfident and um, if for you know the first so the period that we're talking about is between sort of four weeks old to maybe 14 weeks old there's a little bit of leeway either side depending on the breed that's when they need to be exposed to as many new experiences environments textures sounds um, that's when they're creating their sort of world view so to speak what's good about the world what can be fearful about the world and it's up to us to help them experience all those things in a really positive light so like oh the sound of a train actually that's a great thing like here let me help you figure out that that's a good thing if we just keep them inside um, not really meeting other dogs not meeting other people not experience anything like that as soon as we then take them out and they pass that socialization window you have a very nervous dog not all the time this is a generalization but the majority of dogs are very very nervous and they don't know how to communicate with their own other canine that they sort of come across they don't know um even people how to greet people or how to act around certain uh obstacles and things so that's the challenge um and if people just keep them inside which if they're following lockdown rules i guess that's what we're supposed to be doing um in my mind you know that's really detrimental to the overall life of that dog i mean that's a 10 12 year commitment and that beginning phase is so important. As lockdown rules are now beginning to ease, it should hopefully become much easier to socialise puppies than it once was. 
However, I still wanted to know if there were any tips Jennifer could share on training dogs to remain calm and polite in all situations, particularly since it could be some time until all regular activities resume. YouTube is a big source. Um, a lot of times it's just introducing them to sounds because a lot of this does um, is sort of similar before they've fully been vaccinated. So you have this time period before they're fully vaccinated around 12 weeks where you can't even put them on the ground outside. So a lot of this you would recommend to clients before COVID. Um, so I get, I make a list of everything that's involved in my life and that everything will be involved in my puppy's life. The sound of coffee shops will be going on the underground, will be going on the overground, um, fireworks, things like that. And I just make a playlist on YouTube. And whenever we're doing something positive, like um, he loves a uh, tug of war or I feed him his meals or a toy. I play that very, very low on my phone so that I know that he can hear it. Um, and as long as he's not reacting in any sort of negative way, he's not cowering ears back. He's just carrying on engaging with um, this fun, positive thing. That's great. And over time, I just start to build that up until we're listening full volume. And that's a great start for sounds. Things that you can teach them at home that I think will be really helpful is teaching them a really great sort of settle behavior. So teaching them to go to their bed or a specific mat and lying down to relax on it. Um, I find that that can really, really help when we do end up coming out of lockdown because um, you can take that mat to a pub or a cafe or to a friend's house and your dog has a real positive association with this mat or their bed that it's a really relaxing place to be that they've built this positive association with it because you've trained it at home and that can just really help start off start them off um, when you're in a really new environment for them that that's something super familiar super rewardable to be on it um, and it's just little things like that that you can do at home um, keeps their brains occupied as well which is part of the problem of living with a dog full time is keeping them occupied hence why my puppy is busy with something <laughs> now because otherwise he wouldn't be leaving me alone so well there are things you can do to get around not being able to go anywhere with a new puppy ultimately it's not great for their well-being to be stuck inside all the time shockingly the survey from itch found that 62 percent of lockdown pups hadn't even been in an environment other than their own home yet the negative impacts of this are something that Sven took into consideration when he decided to go for geese instead of a dog. People got dogs over lockdown and they've had them for three to six months and those dogs know nothing of outside their own home, which is a real shame for any animal. Because how I view it, I really love animals and I think they've got an intelligence all of their own and need that enrichment. One of the reasons why I didn't get a dog is literally because I didn't want him to be shut up all day and at least with the, these birds they can be left outside in the garden and have fresh air and be outside and interact with things. Well of course geese aren't going to be the ideal pets for everyone. You might want to consider getting something other than a dog if you think one would be negatively affected by your current or future lifestyle. The resounding advice we got from everyone we spoke to was to make absolutely sure that getting a dog would be the right decision for you before you make the commitment. Here's what Martin said to anyone thinking about getting a puppy during this time. Very seriously think about it. Very seriously. There's a lot of implications. You know, there's nothing worse than seeing a dog took on and then took back and the disruption that can cause to it. With puppies, for example, you've got windows closing all the time. For example, on bite moderation, 18 weeks. If you haven't got that bite moderation right, you've got problems. Um, a much harder challenge later on. These are things normal people just would never consider or you know, understand at the very beginning, but uh, 
it is a very, very big thing. You know, when you think about it, you buy a car, it's a big decision. If you buy a house, it's a big decision. But what people don't understand, it is also a big decision uh, to take on an animal. You know, pet bills, food, equipment, uh, all sorts of considerations that come into hand. You know, where are you going with your life? Still going to be compatible. Uh, most people, a lot of people do not, unfortunately, put the time into considering an animal, you know, what it's going to mean and what it's going to cost and what it's going to involve. Amanda from Dogstress also hammered home this point. One of the things that we always say to people you do need to consider, if you take a, a puppy on, hopefully, I mean, it's a brilliant experience, but it's, you know, a good 10, 15 years of your life. And that's quite a big commitment. And it is something that people do need to seriously consider. Unfortunately, there can be some really serious consequences when people aren't prepared for the ongoing demands of a dog, some of which have already been seen during the pandemic. We have seen a slight increase in recent weeks of what I would describe as welfare cases, uh, dogs coming in that perhaps haven't had some of the veterinary treatment that they've needed. Um, They've usually been abandoned um, and they've been picked up, but we've had quite a few recently, certainly within the last couple of months. We always get quite a few, but we've I've, I've seen an increase in those at, at Leeds and within the north. People just might not be able to afford the vet fees and things, or even feeding the dog. Um, one of the things that may affect dogs coming in in the future is somebody's change in lifestyle. If somebody loses the job at the end of furlough, just can't afford it. I mean, if, if you lose your job, you then might not be able to afford your housing. So I think, sadly, we may see an increase dogs coming in uh, due to those changes and also due to people maybe not being able to afford the vet fees. For Karen and Martin, thinking about how their circumstances might change and making sure they were matched up with a dog that was right for them was a big part of why they went through Dogs Trust in the first place. It's finances as well, isn't it? You know, if you're socialising, if you're going back to work, have you got family commitments, have you got family that's going to help you to come and walk the dog while you're at work, are you going to have to pay a dog walker to come in? So there's all them implications for the future. Are you going to get children in the near future? Are you going to have grandchildren coming in? Where dog trust is really good because obviously they'll match you up with the appropriate dog and they'll ask you these questions as well. Are you thinking of having children in the near future? Are you having grandchildren? And all them aspects helps for you to get matched with the right dog, which gives them the ultimate chance of you keeping them forever for their lifespan rather than getting them off a breed there and then you get children coming along and that dog doesn't like children. There's a lot of things to consider. This attention to making sure that the right dogs go to the right people is one of the reasons why adoption can sometimes be a better option than buying. Although, of course, there can be downsides. We would encourage people to try adoption first. I do understand it can be frustrating because if we put a dog on our website, that one dog may get, you know, 30 people wanting just that one dog which is great, but it does mean there's a few disappointed people. So we would ask people, wherever they're getting the dog, to be patient rather than just rushing out and getting one because they want it there and then. Um, You're far better waiting and getting the right dog for your environment and your family. If you are thinking of buying a dog from a breeder, there are ways you can make sure to avoid puppy farms and other irresponsible sellers. People need to be patient. If you're getting from a breeder, it's quite likely that you're going to have to wait a little while for the dog. Um, ask to see the dog, even via Zoom, um, with the with the bitch and the puppies, and just try and check people out a little bit. And the breeder should be asking you lots of questions as well about the environment. A, a good breeder will ask where the dog's going and a little bit about the environment as well. Regardless of where you got your dog, or any other pet, 
Animal charities like Dogs Trust and the RSPCA are there to help with any issues you might have. You can visit dogstrust.org.uk for help on everything from adopting a dog to behaviour advice or finding a dog-friendly property. And if it comes to it, they can also help with giving up your dog, with a promise to never put a healthy dog down. Meanwhile, you can visit the RSPCA's website at rspca.org.uk to find an animal for adoption and for further advice, particularly if you're worried about how COVID-19 might be affecting your pet. Just add forward slash coronavirus to the end of the URL. Dogs Trust and the RSPCA are both charities, and much of the help and support they provide is free. However, as charities, their work has been majorly affected by the pandemic, as Sam explains. What we've really been impacted by is fundraising. So normally what would happen, and particularly during our summer months, we'd have a whole host of different events where we would be out raising money for the vital service that we give to animal welfare. And I think that remains the concern as well in that, you know, we may be facing another year where it's very, very difficult for us to be out and about and meeting with the public and, and, you know, showing them the work that we do and then the fundraising on the back of it. It's a similar story at Dogs Trust. Obviously, we are a charity. We do depend on funds. So it has had an effect on the fundraising. Um, They've had to look at different ways of fundraising. Again, a lot of it's online. If you want to show your support for the amazing work these charities do, even a small donation can be a massive help. Of course, they're not the only animal charities out there. There are so many others that are offering much-needed help to animals and pet owners across the North. So consider donating to one near you. However, if you're unable to do so, there are plenty of other ways you can show your support besides donating. We're always grateful for anything for the dogs. So if people wanted to get something for the dogs, they really like things like pig's ears and all those sort of things that they can chew because it gives them something to do and they just really love chomping on those things. So that's great for the dogs in the kennels uh, and and just nice soft blankets, things for the dogs as well. Um, You know, when you've got a lot of dogs to look after we go through a ridiculous amount of bedding so we're always grateful for things like that as well i mean what would be an absolutely great thing is if, if people have an rspca center that is local to them to actually contact them and just ask if there is anything that they need so there will be some centers that will be absolutely desperate for blankets for example but we may have other centers that you know need something specific for rabbits or guinea pigs so the best thing to do is contact the local center and they'll be able to give them a good idea of something that they can do for support Thank you for listening to another episode of The North in Numbers, written and hosted by me, Annie Goak, and produced by Mark McGill. Thanks again to all my guests for sharing their stories and taking the time to offer advice. Join us again on the 7th of May for a football special, when guest host David Dubas-Fisher will take a look at how the North is a powerhouse when it comes to producing players for the England national team. The North in Numbers is a laudable production. 